welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. I'm your host, Lonnie Swain. I'm a media veteran, digital content creator, and strategist. My career has required many cross-country relocations from my hometown of New Orleans to Baltimore, St. Louis, Chicago, Dallas, back to New Orleans, and now Miami, Florida. The purpose of this show is to remind you that everyone has to go through something to get somewhere. I lead personal and professional development conversations in hopes of inspiring you to live your best and most authentic lives. And just a reminder, I always love to know what you think about the podcast. So don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much for listening. Now let's get into the show. Today, we are going to be talking about attachment styles and attachment theory. Joining me is Jenny D. Bryce. Jenny believes in the power of personal narratives to radically reshape one's life, relationships, and experiences. Her mission is to elevate and encourage the practice of self-realization through awareness, acceptance, compassion, communication, and appreciation with the knowledge that people are genuinely doing the best they can with the mindsets and resources they have. Jenny is a clinic trained psychotherapist specializing in the treatment of individuals, couples, and families. She is core skills certified and trained in emotionally focused couples therapy and level one trained in Gottman method couples therapy. She is also a level two Reiki practitioner, a 13 year public health professional and passionate wellness enthusiast. So today, Jenny, we're talking about attachment styles and attachment theory. Can you tell everyone what attachment styles and attachment theory is. So just a brief overview, your attachment style is essentially the way that you connect with people. And so everybody knows maybe about the four main ones, which are when you have a secure attachment and we, it really comes from studying children and caregivers. And so when you are securely attached, that means that you know that your foundation is safe. And so that leaves you with freedom to explore. And so like a child who's securely attached will explore their surroundings. They might glance back every once in a while and be like, okay, mom and dad are there. That's cool. And so they can explore freely. Mom and dad can go and come back and the child is able to self-soothe and just receive them in a positive way when they come back. Then we have anxious, preoccupied, which is essentially when the child is anxious is uh, they're nervous that that person's never coming back, right? Mm-hmm. So Abandonment like, issues. Abandonment issues, yes. Um, and then we have the the other types of like fearful, avoidant style, dismissive. So dismissive is like, I'm so mad that you left. When you come back, I'm going to act like I don't even see you. So like mm-hmm. completely like you've abandoned me. That's another abandonment um, right. kind of model. And then um, fearful or avoidant, just kind of scared. I don't want to get too close. I don't want to get too close. Right. And so mm-hmm. there's also mixed types. And so a mixed type is kind of like, go away, come back. Um, mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we'll see that in people that have experienced trauma where it's just kind of disorganized attachment so that there's a long history and I would encourage people to really explore it a little bit but what's starting to emerge is the whole idea of adult attachment how do we form bonds as adults because what we're realizing is that our attachment needs do not change that much as we go through the lifespan mm-hmm. and so an attachment need can be described I can just give you a few phrases and words and you'll completely understand what I mean when I say attachment style. So we all have a need for closeness, for mm-hmm. community, for intimacy, for love, for nurturing, for mutuality, for security and safety. These are attachment needs. These are the ways that we feel close and connected 
to mm-hmm. ourselves, the people around us. It gives us a frame for understanding the world. We also have the need to be understood, to know and be known, to see and be seen, to trust, to be understood, experience warmth. So these are all things we need when we're babies and children and adolescents. Yeah. So those needs do not change. And what we're realizing is when those attachment needs are met in relationships, then the relationship goes from one that is just fulfilling a status quo or just a checkbox to one that can be beautifully healing and mm-hmm. just so monumental in elevating us to the next level in our own personal growth. You did a breakout session at a different summit. Was it Well Summit in Boston? Yes, it was. Where you mm-hmm. did it? Okay. Yeah. And you talked about the ways that these attachment styles or theories kind of manifest in our romantic relationships. And the first question that I have is, if you had a certain attachment style as a child, how likely is it that that is going to be your attachment style as an adult? Or how much does that change your attachment Mm -hmm. style? I'm going to move away a little bit from the word attachment style to how we cope when we are in distress. So the model that I spoke of in Boston was a model that I'm trained in called emotionally focused couples therapy. Okay. The premise of emotionally focused couples therapy is that when we are in a emotionally vulnerable state, our coping, our attachment styles manifest in two coping styles. Typically you are either a pursuer in the relationship or you are a withdrawer. So Mm -hmm. a pursuer in the relationship when there's a conflict or something to be addressed, they're like, let's talk about it now. What's the problem? Mm -hmm. What did I do? This is what Mm -hmm. you did. Mm -hmm. Let's hash it out. So they come in like guns blaring, like let's break it. (laughs) Yeah. Withdrawer. That's me. (laughs) That's you. So you are a pursuer, right? Mm -hmm. And so it manifests in many different ways. Um, Now the withdrawer is a little bit more internalized. They need time. Time. They're more prone to what we might call flooding, where it's just like all the emotions are in there. They may not have the words to articulate it. They withdraw. They go into a bit of a cocoon sometimes. Sometimes a withdrawer might even go towards intellectualizing, whereas the pursuer is looking for to hear, how do you feel? They might go to like, well, this is what I think about the situation. So another way you're still avoiding talking about the real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so withdrawers need a little bit more time. They need space. They need to feel safe and explore. It's really hard for them to initiate some of those conversations and go towards the conflict. Mm-hmm. So, And that's my boyfriend and with- all of the men I've ever dated. <laughs> And so, you know what? It's funny how we find each other, isn't it? Because typically those are the couples that link up. Mm -hmm. And so the withdrawer's biggest fear is rejection. If I come to you and I open up and I tell you what's really happening for me, will you reject me? The pursuer's Mm -hmm. biggest fear is abandonment. Don't leave me. I need you. I don't feel you anymore. Are you paying attention? Do you Mm -hmm. hear me? Right. I I need to know what's going on. I need to know what's going on. (laughs) Give me a glimpse. Like, Mm -hmm. give me the something. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is people get stuck in this dance. And so that's what Dr. Sue Johnson calls it. It's a dance that you're both participating in. And so the first thing we do in therapy is we start to map the cycle. We say, hey, you are both stuck in this cycle. So we externalize the problem so that the couple can view themselves as working against the cycle, not working against each 
other because mm-hmm. ultimately they both have the same goal the reason that the pursuer is trying so hard to access the withdrawal is because I love you. I care about you. I want to know what's going on. I want to know that we're okay. Yes. The withdrawer is doing a different thing, but the message is, I don't want to say anything that's going to make things worse. I love you. I care about you. I want to show up for you. and I don't know if I can do that right now. So everybody's mm-hmm. kind of working to try to preserve the relationship, but signals are just getting crossed left and right. Exactly. Based on who's comfortable doing what, like stepping out of that comfort zone and what's safe for one person is not safe for the other. Exactly, Lonnie. Exactly. And so we typically will work with the pursuer first to kind of create a little bit like create space for the withdrawal to come towards you. And Mm -hmm. what we'll ask is for everyone to because it's a risk. It's risky. Mm-hmm. You know, for to change your habits or to change the way that you typically um, protect yourself right. in in conflict is very risky because you don't know, right? So what if the withdrawer actually opens up and says, you know, sometimes I don't know if we're gonna make it. The withdraw- the pursuer might be like, what do you mean? You don't know, <laughs> right? So- <laughs> right. That's not what I wanted to hear. That's not exactly <laughs> right. And so we really try to teach couples to approach these conversations with a sense of curiosity, with empathy for the relationship. Like, you know, one of the things I tell couples all the time, like you have to understand what you're embarking on right now. Like you're trying to create a dynamic, a new world that has never existed before this moment. Right. Like think about that. You know, like you have come in with your own whole inner world, your mind, your experiences, this other person's coming in with their whole whole self and you're creating this new thing. Like it's Mm -hmm. a beautiful journey, but it's also fraught with miscommunication. It's fraught with fears, all those things. You're asking someone to be themselves with you, their ugly parts, the parts that they maybe haven't accepted yet. You're Mm -hmm. trying to do the same. It's just... It's so beautiful and um, scary and frightening and magical and I mean, mm-hmm. just right, um, exactly. And it's also essentially a basic need. We have a need mm-hmm. for connection and community. Mm-hmm. I, I could talk about this all day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what we're noticing is that the healing power of a healthy relationship can really shift the way we view ourselves in the world. It can help to address childhood trauma. Basically, it can allow us an opportunity to do what we call like take a corrective action. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you weren't accepted and loved in this way, this is a space where you can practice getting that. I use it in conjunction with other models that allow you to do that interpersonally as well, because again, we cannot have the expectation that our partner is going to fill our gaps. We have to fill Mm -hmm. those gaps ourselves. Mm -hmm. But we can certainly help each other along the way. Mm -hmm. We can certainly model affection and empathy and support and Mm -hmm. while we cultivate those same attributes in ourselves so it's not just my partner's going to be the one to show me my value but my Mm -hmm. partner can be the one to help me reinforce the sense of value and self-worth that i'm currently cultivating on my own Mm -hmm. so you're working together here yeah yes and thank you so very much and now you call this attachment theory more so than attachment styles yes it's attachment theory yes and so this is if you're if you look up like adult attachment theory which is based on attachment theory with children that was found I can go into some of the history but it'll be boring (laughs) but essentially (laughs) when we look at attachment theory you're gonna look up uh, Bowlby John I think it's John 
John Bowlby, B-O-W-L-B-Y. And Bowlby was the first one to say and do experiments that say, hey, kids don't just need correction and um, information. Like they actually really need like our love and support. Like one of the studies he did, he would show like they used to have kids go in for surgeries and go into the hospital and parents were not allowed to be there. And Mm. so he did an experiment where he basically videotaped a two year old just sobbing uncontrollably and saying, like, this is not okay. Children need their parents. They need them in this emotional way. He did a Mm. bunch of different experiments to just demonstrate the impact and the importance of healthy attachment with a children. There's Mm -hmm. also a lot of others that there's a really awesome study. You can find it on YouTube. It's called the still face study. And essentially it demonstrates how much of our nonverbal cues and how much connection really helps to regulate us in Mm -hmm. that. So the mom is like interacting with the baby and she's looking at the baby. And every time the baby points to something, she'll look over there. They're engaged. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is um, then they tell her to do a still face, stop responding. The baby's Mm -hmm. looking at the mom, the baby's pointing, the baby's like, look over there. The baby's trying to laugh with her. She's not, she's not doing anything bad, right? She's just looking at the baby's still face. The Mm -hmm. baby goes from being like puzzled to being like flustered to having a complete meltdown because mm. mom is no longer engaged with her. You have to see this. Oh, it wow. Really just, it's, it's really sad to watch. Some people had mm. a really hard time with it, but it just highlighted for me like how much connection plays a role in the way we feel safe and comfortable in the world. Like the yeah. lack of connection in that moment sent the baby into a frenzy. We're not that different. You know, when we're trying mm-hmm. to connect with our partner and John Gottman um, calls these when we're trying to make bids for connection, he's like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, when you're, when your um, partner's like, yo, look at my fantasy football pick. Like, I've got like six of them and you're like, whatever, you don't pay attention. Right. It's a bit for connection that you just missed. And so exactly. little by little, you're throwing off that balance. It's a little, yeah. it's slightly dysregulating. It's not the same because the baby doesn't have the emotional tools to realize, oh, mom is just playing a game. But right. these are the opportunities that we miss for connection. And then mm-hmm. we wonder why we can't have hard conversations when we really need to. Because you exactly. haven't done anything. You didn't look at the fantasy football games. Like, <laughs> right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> you don't value what's important to me. You know, you're not yes. interested in me. This is something yes. I'm interested in and you're not interested in that. Yeah. So very, very yeah. interesting. That's deep right there um, about how we're engaging in the world today and or lack thereof, not being Absolutely. engaged with with our children with our parents, with our partners, with our friends and so forth. So Jenny, you have some tips you want to leave us with? Yes, I do. Just some general guidelines or just suggestions for remaining open in your relationship. The first one that I I love to remind my couples of is that, you know, try to maintain a beginner's mind. And a beginner's mind is one that invokes curiosity, openness, awareness that there will be uncertainty and being open to surrendering to that. Checking your assumptions. Imagine that you're a traveler in a foreign land. The second one is give each other the benefit of the doubt. Try to challenge your assumption that because you're feeling hurt, that that was your partner's intention. And so giving your partner the benefit of the doubt leaves room to ask questions. What did Mm -hmm. you mean when you said this? What happened for you when you did this behavior? This is how I felt, you know? So it leaves a little bit more room. Mm -hmm. Um, Pay attention to those bids for connection. 
the slightest bit for a connection. Of course, you're not going to get them 100% of the time, but you don't actually need to. There's actually a ratio that John Gottman talks about. And I, I'm not going to state it here because I'm not 100% sure, but only a certain percentage of the bids for connection um, need to be met in order to have a really good relationship. And the mm-hmm. last one is to tend to your mental, emotional, and physical health. You are a whole and complete being. Don't rely on your partner to fill those gaps for you. The best gift you can give to yourself and to anyone is a complete you. So those are my four tips. Um, awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so I much. I love this. This was insightful. And I think it definitely leaves a lot of food for thought for everyone and how they're um, showing up in their relationships. Absolutely. I hope so. I hope so. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, Jenny, how can they do it? You can reach me on the gram at Jenny, be my therapist. That's J-E-N-N-Y, be my therapist. Also, my website, JennyDBryce.com. And please sign up for my newsletter. And I have some awesome content that I would love to share with you to help you on your wellness journey independently and relationally. So I hope to see you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. Please visit my my website, LonnieSwain.com, where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter, check out companion blog posts, show notes, and lots of other cool stuff. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Buzzsprout, CastBox, Anchor, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and my website. I love and appreciate all of your feedback, so don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with at least three people who you think would enjoy it too or benefit from the information. Until next time, go where you are celebrated and appreciated not just tolerated. Talk to you soon.